Uh, good morning. It's uh, wonderful to be up the front here again this morning. It's been five weeks since I've preached and I'm very excited about this new series we're about to start today and it's called Solid Rock. Or <clears throat> Correct me. No, it's not, Pastor Ron. Rock solid. <clears throat> and... Um, and if I told you, you were a rock solid person, technically, most times that would be good, right? Generally, we're speaking, of, well, I guess it depends on what we're talking about. But generally, it's used in a positive sense where, you know, they're rock solid. If I said you had rock solid integrity, it would be something that would be good and something we should be seeking after. And it would mean if you had rock solid integrity, that you would be reliable, that you would be unlikely to, to change at a whim. Your yes would mean yes, your no would be no. You would follow through on all of those things. Rock solid. Jesus said in Matthew 7, <clears throat> excuse me, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. That's where we're, what we're talking about. The wise person is someone who listens and obeys the teachings of Jesus. Building, on the house of, building our house on a solid rock of faith on Jesus Christ and having our faith so rock solid that we will be unable well, perhaps not unable is not the right word, but it would be very difficult for us to, to waver from that. And so if we want to have a rock solid faith, it has to be built on the solid rock foundation of Jesus Christ. There's no other way we're going to do that. And so what this series is about is how we can or how can we, perhaps I'll put it that way, can we have a rock solid faith in the midst of everything else that's going on? And I've called this series or as we begin this series, um, Rock Solid, it's based in the book of Romans and we're not going to get all the way through the book of Romans. Um, we're just not going to make it before Christmas, that's for sure. We're going to get, hopefully, to about chapter end of chapter 7, beginning of chapter 8, somewhere in there we'll get through. But we're going to work week by week through the book of Romans, the letter of Romans that Paul wrote. And I've called this series Rock Solid based on the words of Jesus in Matthew 7 that we just read. And what Paul does to the church in Rome is give them from very good doctrinal processes that they might be able to endure or put in place in their life that would enable them to be able to endure through the difficulties. That describes probably the best part of where we're at when we look at our world and we look at the, the difficulties that we face day by day. And by the way, I have not got good news for you in that regard. It's going to get worse. It's not probably going to get worse. It may not get worse. It will get worse than where it is at the moment. And so we need to understand that when Jesus said that in this life you will have troubles, he was not talking about something that's going to just pass. 
But he did tell us in that same statement, be, take heart because I've overcome the world. He has the victory over the struggles that you and I are facing and will face into the future. And if there's anyone that understood difficulties, it's Paul. Even as he's writing to the, book, the church in Rome, they are under the governor of Nero, governance of Nero. And if you know anything about Nero, he was not a nice man and he did not. In fact, Christianity was illegal. It was, if you were found to be following Jesus Christ, you were put to death on the spot. There was no question about it. it was the, that was the, the, the whole culture that Paul's writing to when he talks to the book in, in his letter to the Romans. And so we need to understand that the people that he's talking to are in actually probably a worse place than what we are at this moment in time in our own culture. And we need to understand that. And and today, what I want to do is to talk about three areas that we need to be very clear on if we're going to have this rock-solid faith that I'm talking about. And it's my prayer that as we work through this this series, that we will develop a, a wonderful heart for what God is doing in our own life personally and what He's doing in the world in general. And we shouldn't be caught surprised by that. And what Paul does in this letter is to give the church in Rome some very good theologically sound doctrine that they could take hold of and live in their world where Christianity was illegal. It would be difficult, to say the least, if we can at least still speak the name of Jesus publicly to a large degree. But in Paul's day, proclaiming Christ in the wrong place could mean death. In fact, most of the early disciples met that death. Some horrible kinds of death because they proclaimed Jesus. Most of them were martyred for their faith. And we we haven't got to that point in our in our culture here yet, but it's happening around the world. It does happen. There are many over the time who have been martyred for their faith, who've stood up for truth and justice and righteousness and for the Word of God and been shot on the spot or have been put to death in some way very quickly. And yet in Australia, we're not quite at that point. And there's clearly an attitude though in this country to diminish the effectiveness of the Christian message across our country. It's, it's clear the agenda that's before us. There's a clear agenda to subdue truth and manipulate things and replace it with misinformation, uh, deception of truth that leads people down a path of physical and spiritual destruction. We're at that point where we are needing to be very strong in our faith. Otherwise, we will be what James talks about, tossed around by every wind of doctrine and we will find ourselves in trouble very quickly. It starts with us and we need to have a rock-solid faith in Jesus Christ so that when these things happen, we will be able to stand up against them. It's the right time now 
before those things get any worse, to take our stand. It's the right time now to be rock solid in our faith. It's the right time now to see the work of the kingdom of God growing in the midst of difficulties. It's the right time to make the decision as to whether or not we really trust in the word of God or we're just going to trust in what people say. It's the right time for us to make a choice and every single one of us has to make the choice. There's no middle line. There's no grey area when it comes to being a follower of Jesus Christ. We're either for him or against him. We're either with him or we're not. We're either following him or we're going the other direction. There's no middle ground And even though we understand theologically perhaps that we live in a time of grace where, you know what, God will just look over it, sorry, overlook it and he won't worry about that. He's a God of love and God won't do that. He will. At some point, this time of grace that has been extended to us is coming to an end when we are going to be held accountable for the things that we've done. We're told that in Scripture, by the way. And so there is coming a reckoning and we're going to work our way through the book of Romans, like I said. So I want you to follow along. We're not going to read lots. I just, actually, we're going to start about verse 8. Paul introduces himself and, and, and his work and his call to it as an apostle in the first few verses. I'm not going to deal with them today. You can read them. I want to encourage you to read and study the book of Romans as we work through this. But I'm going to start in verse 8 and Paul says in verse 8 of Romans chapter 1, he says, let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in Him is being talked about all over the world. Now, I don't know if that struck you, but when I read that for the first time in preparation for what I want to share today, I thought, wow. Here is a group of people who were at risk of being martyred for their faith and their faith is being talked about all over the world. How did they do that? Our faith, if you're filling in your notes, if you're online and you're watching and filling out those notes, the first one is our faith. And I know it's kind of like a circle kind of thing there, talking about faith and the first point is faith, but that's what it is. We need to have a strong faith and understand that. As Paul introduces his letter to us, he reminds the readers that it's a privilege to be known as his apostle or his disciple, as his follower. It's a privilege to have been given authority in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to tell people everywhere that got what, about what God has done. That's what he says. It's a privilege to do that. It's a privilege to be able to share the gospel so that they will believe him, come to obey him and bring glory to his name. And it seems to me that the longer we live as a Christian in our culture, the less excited we seem to be when people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone says, oh, so-and-so, they gave their heart to the Lord. Oh, that's good. It's great. It's exciting. It's wonderful. But we seem to get 
immune to that kind of thinking when we hear of those things. Oh, so-and-so, they've just been experienced the Lord Jesus Christ in their life for the first time. We should be celebrating. And the, the problem with that is because we don't really get excited about that, we, we even become less excited about sharing with G, about Jesus. That's crazy. Somewhere along the path of life, we have lost the enthusiasm and the importance of our mission. Somewhere in this process of culture, of busyness, of life, we have lost the importance of what we've been here for in the beginning. Matthew 28 gives us exactly what we're here for. Jesus left it with his disciples, but it's a commission for every single one of us that he, we have, he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, here's the commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that you've been given. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The one who has been given authority over the heavens and the earth has given you and I authority to go in his name and tell people about Jesus Christ. That's the commission. Not just that. We have to make sure that we are able to teach them the things that we've been taught. How can we do that if our own faith is weak? How can we do that if we're not able to follow through on what God is showing to us? And so in order to have a rock solid faith, we know or we need to understand how we can endure to the end. How can we be faithful through to the end? The thing is that God seems to, at least in my life, and I'm assuming yours as well, seems to build our faith through trials and tribulations every single time. Tribulation means pressure. It means hardship, conflict. And without pressure, we don't get stronger. And we, we need conflict. Satan will bring conflict into your life to cause you to stumble. God will allow that conflict to happen to increase our faith, to strengthen us. Satan's desire will be twisted around by God's desire to make good of the things that were intended for evil to bring good out of difficult situations. And the thing is that the pressure that will come to us from this world, the moment that we become disciples of Jesus Christ, the moment that we step into faith in Christ Jesus, we will experience the pressure from, from the world. Paul writes it. He says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. I read it before. I wanted to read it again because it's important that we understand the context of who Paul is talking to and where he's talking. 
If we're not under pressure, let me put it a different way. When we're under pressure, our faith should rise to the top. It displays the kind of faith that we have. And that's what was being talked about all over the world because of these people who were under the threat of death, who were, it was illegal in that time to be known as a Christian and yet their faith was still being talked about. That took some courage. That took some gumption to be able to stand up in the difficulties of that. In other words, the Christians in Rome at that point in time had become famous, famous for believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. He had, they had shown courage. They'd shown strength of character. And under Nero, you know, I said it before, but Christianity was illegal. It was unlawful at that time. There was no social or political advantage for believing in Jesus Christ. There was nothing to gain, worldly speaking, to be a Christian in that culture. But nevertheless, it says the faith of these believers was known throughout the whole world at that time. Here's the thing. Conflict teaches us constancy. Conflict teaches us constancy. Our endurance is built through the ability to withstand pressure and difficulties. But what, when conflict comes, we, we tend to retreat or we, we resent something or someone because things have been said or done in a particular way or we just resign ourselves or, or step out altogether and just, you know what, you can have that, I'm out of here. That's our typical worldly kind of response when difficulties come. We complain why God would allow that to happen. If God were there, why doesn't he do something? Why doesn't he help me? Why doesn't he get me through these things? But as a Christ follower, we have the assurance that Jesus is with us. I read it before in Matthew 28, 20. Be sure of this. I will be always with you, he says. I'm always with you. He's always with us, helping us and guiding us through with his, by the power of his Holy Spirit. As his, as his followers, if we have given our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are never going through difficulties on your own. No matter what anyone else does, he is always with you. And that should be something to be celebrating. We have every single reason to make the choice to follow God through the conflict. Every single reason. Romans 5, we'll get to it in a few weeks' time, but I want to pull it out here. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Trials help us to develop endurance. And then endurance does what? Helps us develop strengths of character. And what does strength of character do? It strengthens the hope that we have in Christ Jesus of salvation. 
the trials and tribulations that you and I face are there for our own good. One John, or John says in one John, he says, for every child of God defeats the evil world. Every child of God defeats the evil world. And we achieve this victory through how? Our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The only ones who can defeat the power of this world is those who are calling themselves Christ followers. So we have everything to to be thankful for, nothing to be worried about. In fact, the message version um, translation puts it like this. It says, every God-born person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. And the person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. It's our faith that overcomes the difficulties of our dark society. If you were born of God by default, you are supposed to, we are supposed to overcome this world. That's our job. That's our responsibility. That's the commission to go into the world. We are overcomers in that light. We are not held captive by the things of this world anymore because we have a message to proclaim. We have been given the authority and we are able to conquer the world's ways. The power that you use to conquer the world's ways and culture that we live in is your faith. Weak faith lack of being able to conquer. Strong faith, nothing will stop you. It's important for us to be so strong in our faith. And what the message even takes that even further, it tells us that our faith will bring the world to its knees. Imagine that. All the, the, the world's ways, its systems, its nefarious dark agendas, all of those things are put to its knees when we have exercised our faith in Jesus Christ. And what do we typically find ourselves doing? All these things come against us, we retreat, or we, we don't speak up, or we're afraid to say something in case we might be shut down. Or we're worried about what others might think because, you know, they might not agree with what we're saying. But we have the power and that means the world and its systems are at risk when we are in it if we are following through what God wants us to be doing. The believer, as we are called to, to bring the world to its knees in our faith in Him by showing up in our world, in our workplaces, in our day, full of Jesus Christ. That's why it's important to have a strong faith. When when we are surrendered completely to God and filled with faith, the reality is that we're an unstoppable force. We already have the victory in Christ. So in order to have a rock-solid faith, it begins with not just facing our difficulties, but being willing to see them through, to persevere through them, 
to push through them, not avoiding the difficulties, but pushing through them and to not give up when the going gets tough. tough. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, he says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For the Christ follower, that's saying we cannot afford to get tied up in the affairs of this culture. We cannot serve the world and God at the same time. They're opposites. They're different. We can't afford to meddle in the distractions of this world and expect that we're actually going to be following Jesus with the way that we're supposed to at the same time. We can't do both. It has to be a decision that you and I come to. Because if we are distracted by the world, when we do that, we won't really be pleasing our Heavenly Father at all because we're told quite plainly not to. Paul goes on though, and he tells them that he's praying praying for them. Romans 1, 9, 12, through to 12. And here Paul lets them know that day and night he brings the church before our, his heaven, our heavenly Father. God knows, he says, how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs to, in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so that I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. And when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith and I want to be encouraged by you yours. That's what he's, he's telling us exactly what he's praying for. He's praying for the opportunity to help them become stronger in their faith. They're already being talked about all over the world and they're already going to be, be, be hammered about that in one way or another. But his heart, Paul's heart is that even though their faith is strong, and being talked about all over the, the world that they might even become stronger than they already are. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you prayed that God would lead you to someone to share your faith with and to help them grow in the Lord? Most of our prayers typically are about ourselves. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, teach me humility, keep me faithful, give me good health, show me what to do. Now, none of those things are wrong. Don't hear me, Don't hear me say that we shouldn't be praying for those things, but none of those things are wrong to pray for unless we're praying those things so that we might just benefit ourselves. If we're going to pray those things, we should be praying those things so that we would be better equipped to be able to tell others about Lord Jesus Christ. Give me wisdom so that I can give wisdom. Help me to be people, a person of with humility so that I'm not coming across all audacious and, and, and crazy kind of person. 
Those are the things we should be praying for, but not for any self-glorifying manner. We need to be praying. We're praying for those things so that we might become better and more equipped and bring them some spiritual gift that will help them grow in the Lord as well. And who knows, in that process, they may encourage you. Our primary reason for being in this world is not to eat more chocolate. Our pro- as much as I like chocolate, our primary reason for being in this world is to tell others about Jesus Christ and be a disciple of his. That's it. It's a quite a straightforward process. So when was the last time that you prayed for your non-Christian friends? More's the point, have we even got non-Christian friends? When was the last time you prayed for those in the church, those in your groups, those in your ministries? When was the last time you earnestly prayed and not just said, Lord, bless so-and-so, but you earnestly prayed for them knowing about their situation? Paul was constantly praying for the churches. He was praying that God would open doors through which he could go in order to minister to them. And when Paul wrote to the church at Col- of the, the Colossian church at Colossae, he said to them as well, so we've not stopped praying for you. Surprise, surprise. Since we first heard about you, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And Paul was demonstrating to both the church at Colossae and the church in Rome that his focus was not on building his own name up, but he wanted them to gain the wisdom. He wanted them to have the understanding. He wanted to teach them what it meant to be a Christ follower. He was doing more than just merely thinking about them. He was actively approaching the throne of God on their behalf so that they would be able to do what needed to do, so that their faith might be increased, so that their faith would become rock solid, so that when those things come against it, chip, 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 it's not going to make any difference. We know where we're heading. We know what we're doing. Having an effective prayer life is is so important for us. And having an effective prayer life that focuses on the welfare and benefit of others, not just in regard to to our physical needs, although that's important to be praying for those things, but our spiritual lives. When was the last time that we prayed that God would bless someone with more spiritual wisdom and understanding? On Sunday morning, as we prepare to come to church or or watch a service online, what would it be like if rather than just praying for ourselves, Lord, give me something today, help me be able to receive what's being given, I'm, I'm taking it, you do that anyway. But what if we prayed that God would prepare others' hearts as well to receive the message? What if we were so concerned for others 
that we would pray that there would be people in the service who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ but would come to the salvation through the word of God? What if we upheld our prayers by finding out about one another? Prayer is so vitally important when it comes to our spiritual growth and health. If we want to have, or and we should want, to have a, a rock-solid faith, prayer cannot be excused. It can't be the added extra. It can't be the thing that we, we, we get to the end of or we put, on, we put on the end of things. We need to be praying selflessly for others the, that the gospel would prevail with them and that they would be successful in doing their part, praying for other people to be successful in their ministry, even if it's we're a little bit envious. Maybe that's a prayer point. But it's praying for others. So we need to have a strong faith in the midst of difficulties. We need to be praying for people. Then Paul goes on in Romans 1.13. He says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. It's a weird verse to pick up on, but he says it. And the key to this is, is if you're filling in your notes, we need to be led by the Spirit. We need to be led by the Spirit. Another aspect of rock-solid spirituality, rock-solid godly faith is is humility and the ability to be submissive to what God is showing us, not what we want, but what God is showing us. Paul says in his first prayer that God would at last allow him to come to them. By this statement, Paul reveals that it wasn't his idea that he didn't come to them. Something happened in Paul at this moment in time. Paul clearly recognised the overruling providence of God in all of that was going on in his life. He was aware and sensitive to being led by the Spirit into the things that he's doing. Not what I want, not even really what I need, but what is God doing? Paul actually desired to travel to Rome And he knew that he couldn't do, do that at that time unless God allowed it. Doesn't matter how gifted Paul was. It doesn't matter how smart he was. It doesn't matter about his experience. He couldn't use any wisdom to get to Rome. The only way that the door would be opened for him to get to Rome would be if God opened the door and it was his will that had happened. He was prevented. I planned many times, he says, to visit you, but I was prevented. The only way was where God would allow it to happen. It was only the sovereign hand of the Lord Jesus Christ upon him that would mean that that trip would be successful and the blessing would be on the work that Paul was going for. Anything else meant that it wasn't going to be the way that it was supposed to be. And what's interesting, I guess, is that even though Paul said he was prevented from going to Rome at that time, 
he, he did eventually go. He didn't go in the way that he expected. He didn't go in the way he imagined it. Do you know how he went to Rome? In chains. He went in chains. For two years, he was confined under Roman guard in chains. But here's the point, I guess, is that sometimes our path in life takes unexpected turns and we're not always sure what's coming around the corner. But it's laid out for us by an all-wise, all-knowing, sovereign God who loves us and allows these things to come into our life so that we might come into a deeper understanding with him. You might not understand why you're not allowed to do something or why you are having to do something at the moment. But when it's led by the Spirit, it's about trusting the Spirit. There's a verse in Proverbs that I I read a number of years ago. I've read the Bible many, many times and probably over the past 25 years, 25 or 26 times. I, I make sure I read it each year, but... It was only a few years ago that this verse turned up in my Bible. We make our plans, but the Lord determines its steps. And that's the point, I guess, is it doesn't matter what plans you make, God's still going to have his way. And we would do well to trust in him and the profile of a rock-solid, faith-filled Gospel living Christian is to always be willing to give in to the overruling providence of God himself and to make sure that we are thankful regardless of what our own desires are, regardless of what we want. It's an attitude of being willing to be submissive to the Holy Spirit Can I just say, we don't always react like that. We don't even always respond like that. We come out with phrases, it's too hard. Have faith. I don't understand. Have faith. Trust God. I'm struggling at the moment. Have faith. Trust God. No one believes me. Have faith. Trust God. Look what's happening in this world around us. Have faith. Trust God. People have hurt me. Have faith. Trust God. I don't have work. Have faith. Not sure what to do. Have faith. I'm feeling a bit pressured. Have faith. Whatever it is, have faith. Because God is at work. The thing is, that the Holy Spirit will never lead us into an area where the Scriptures prohibit. 
He will never guide us down a path which will be something that is condemned in Scripture. There are some things that you and I really just don't need to pray about, by the way. Praying that God will direct you and keep you safe on the road as you drive carelessly. Or asking God to help you as you steal something, consider an affair, abuse your spouse. They're pointless. They're not prayers that God is. Go- we need to even pray. We know what the Word of God says about those things. You don't have to ask God to say, can you overlook it this one time? We already know how God's going to answer it. We don't need to pray about whether or not we should share the gospel with someone. We don't need to find out from God whether we should be serving in, in ministry. We don't need to ask those things because it's, it's something we know God's answer to. We are already. We don't have to know whether we, or pray about whether we should be going to, to church or not. The scriptures tell us those things. Mind you, mind you, when we do pray, if we pray those things, leading us to the right person to pray is important. Knowing where to serve is something we should be praying. Knowing a church that's biblically based, gospel preaching church is somewhere where we should be seeking. So it's good to be praying about those things, but again, it's not just whether we should do it or not, it's about doing it right. And we should be praying for people that you know. We should be praying that God might give us an opportunity to talk with them. And looking for those opportunities, not just saying, Lord, bring them into my house to have coffee with me this week. Maybe we've got to go and be something. Pray for people. Pray that salvation might be found by them. Pray salvation over their life. Pray that they might receive Jesus Christ and that their lives might be changed and they would become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Spirit who directs us and leads us in these things. It's the Spirit who guides us toward truth. We have a responsibility to go into our world and make disciples. We have a responsibility to baptise people in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We have a responsibility to teach others the things that we've already learned that we should be teaching others about. We have a responsibility not just to be a disciple of Jesus, but to be a disciple maker of Jesus Christ. Go into the world and teach them to be my disciples. And to these new disciples, teach them everything that you've learned. That's what Matthew 28 told us before. We have a responsibility. Discipleship begins. When does it? Oh, here's a question. When does discipleship begin? Does it begin before or after salvation? If you're not sure, it begins before. 
It begins before we start talking to people and encouraging them down the path of righteousness. We start praying for them. That's part of their discipleship. They don't know that at that point in time, but we pray for them. So I'm asking you, who are you discipling at the moment? Because we should all be discipling somebody, at least one. Who, who, is your, who, who are you discipling in ministry? I'm not critical if you're not because I'm, I'd have to question myself on that at this moment in time. And I'm the pastor. So I'm not critical of anybody and I'm not judging anyone But who are you praying for at the very least? Who are you praying for? Who are you sharing the gospel with? And this week, here's a challenge. I want to ask you to ask the Lord in prayer to give you five names of people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ and begin to pray for their salvation. Now, I said that and I've said it to a few people over the last few weeks that this was coming. I was going to give this challenge to our church in this series and it's the first thing in the series. But I gave that. And you know what most have said? I don't even know five people. Not non-Christian people. I don't even know five non-Christian people. Well, that should be a bit of an awakening for us. It should be something that we're, we're engaged in. But I'm asking you to ask the Lord to give, if you can't think of five, three. And if you can't think of three, at least one. But the challenge is five. Ask the Lord to show you the names of five people who do not know the Lord and begin to pray for their salvation. Not just any five. Don't just rattle off like Anthony Albanese. I'm going to pray for him. You should pray for him. And you probably should pray for his salvation, but he's not the one we're talking about at the moment. But five people that you have the opportunity to talk with and invite to things. Five people that are in your circle of influence. Five people that you believe God is laying on your heart to take the gospel to. And pray for them diligently, day by day, week by week month by month, and to keep them before the Lord Jesus Christ and see what God does with that prayer. Just see. When opportunities come up for invitation, take it. When when opportunities come up for the opportunity to share the word of God, take it. But pray and and be diligently looking and asking the Lord to show you Pray for each other as well, because each of us are going to be going through this, hopefully, that, you know what, I'm going to be praying for each of us, that we might find names that we can pray for and to be able to endure to the end, not just pray once and we've done that job and that's finished. I want us to be praying for one another. Let's pray that we all make the commitment and don't be afraid, as what Paul reminds us in what I'm going to start with next week, I'm not ashamed of the good news about Jesus Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and then the Gentile, he says, but this good news tells us how God makes us right. Righteous is the word, right in his sight. And this is accomplished 
from start to finish by faith. From start to finish by faith. And as the scripture says, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. So we need to have a rock solid faith if we're going to be able to disciple people to have faith so that we're not waylaid in the mission that we have been given. And since we're not ashamed of the gospel or shouldn't be ashamed, let us do this with confidence. Let us be bold and courageous as we're led by the Spirit in our prayer for these people and the opportunity to minister to them and see how God might increase your faith in the process of that. See how God might bring you to a point in your life where your faith is put to the test through the trials and tribulations that you may face in the midst of that. Don't shy away from it. Don't be worried about it. Don't get scared off because some people say no or don't talk to me again or write you off as their friend. Don't be, don't be worried about those sorts of things, but be so rock solid in your faith that you would be go with determination and know with confidence that you have done what God wants you to do. It's not your job, not my job to convict people of their sin. It's the Lord Jesus Christ's job to convict. My job, our job, is to present the gospel. That's all we have to do. If they say no, bless them and move on, but keep praying for them. And if another opportunity comes up, well and good. But make the effort. Let's persevere through to the end and see how God's going to bring increase to our faith, but also increase to the kingdom because that's what it's about. Let me pray. Father, I do thank you for your goodness and your love and your mercy and your grace, your attention to us, your love for us in, in every area. I thank you that you are at work in my life. I and I know that you're in work in, in others as well, Father, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us to truth today. And no matter what we're going through in our life, Father, the difficulties that life is presenting to us, to not lose sight of keeping our faith strong in you, that you will bring good out of what Satan wants to bring bad out of that where he causes us to or brings those things to cause us to stumble, you allow them to bring a strength in our faith, in our character, to be able to endure through the difficulties that will even lie ahead further that we're not aware of yet. And so, Father, I pray for each one here this morning that's listening to this online, that we would have the confidence to be bold and courageous enough to stand up for your word and to claim victory in Christ Jesus because, Father, we're told so many times through Scripture that it's faith that overcomes this world. It's faith that brings us through. It's accomplished from start to finish by faith. And it's through that faith, Father, that we have real, true life. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us life this week, not just living, but life in Christ Jesus.
to be alive and active. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.